Hallelujah. We have a lot going on today, so we start with the baby dedication. We're going to end with a presentation by the kids. Don't you love Sundays like today? Yeah. And you know what? Today marks an important day for us as well, too, though, doesn't it? It's another important day for Christians and for a lot of us in the body of Christ, uh, especially for those who are kind of of the Pentecostal type of uh, flavor of Christianity. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's very funny how little attention Pentecost Sunday gets. Have you noticed that? Today is Pentecost Sunday. You know, most Christians couldn't imagine having a year go by without celebrating Christmas or Easter, right? The year is not complete without celebrating those two events. And why is that? Because all Christians understand no matter how long or short you've been in the faith, no matter what kind of denomination you come from, you, you, you can, you know, no matter how much you, you do or do not go to church even, <laughs> uh, if you believe in Jesus, the Christian calendar is not complete without Easter and Christmas, right? Right? Keep Christ in Christmas after all, right? We hear that all the time, right? And uh, look, it's not a secret that these two events are also the times when church attendance is at the highest, is during these, these two events, right? And, you know, for good reason as well, too. Christmas is the event that, that celebrates the birth of Jesus and the beginning of his ministry, right, of redemption on earth, important thing. And Easter celebrates the resurrection of Jesus and God's ultimate plan uh, and victory over sin and death. And I always believe that if you're in church and you can celebrate something, in Christendom, then you should. If you can celebrate something in the church, you should absolutely celebrate it. Amen? You should celebrate it. But if I were to announce that, you know, that our church was not going to observe Christmas or Easter anymore, uh, we'd all be pretty upset about it, wouldn't we? We'd all be pretty upset, and rightfully so, because we would be turning our backs on events that are central to our understanding of what it means to be Christians, and also what it means to belong to the church. I mean, it wouldn't it seemed to be something incredibly essential. Was, wouldn't it be a, we'd feel like something was really missing from our lives as Christians if we didn't have Easter and Christmas and have some kind of celebration around that of any kind. It, it just wouldn't feel right, right? Can you imagine going an entire year without hearing about baby Jesus born in a manger? It just wouldn't work out. And could you imagine a whole year without hearing, He has risen? Right? It just wouldn't happen. Imagine a year with no poinsettias or... No pancake breakfasts, right? Just wouldn't be that good. Imagine here without hearing Silent Night sung by a choir. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem right. And I think it's almost impossible to understand the meaning of Christian faith without really observing and truly understanding Christmas and Easter. And we should celebrate them, right? But here we are. We're on a third holiday, a third observance, a third really sacred event, right, that is just as central to our understanding of what it means to be Christian and what it means to belong to the church. But most Christians don't celebrate this event, and many have never even heard about it or don't know anything about it whatsoever. And the third event, which is today, is Pentecost Sunday. It's the third great day in the Christian calendar, and it's rooted actually in the story of Acts chapter 2, right? And celebrates the day when the Holy Spirit descended on the apostles who were gathered in a room in Jerusalem. So before Pentecost, these apostles of Jesus, they were hiding in public. They were hiding in public in fear that, hiding from, sorry, hiding from the public in fear that what had happened to Jesus was absolutely going to happen to them if they were not hiding out, right? But here's the, the weird thing about it. Actually, it's not weird, so it's a wonderful thing. 
After Pentecost, these frightened men had become suddenly and miraculously equipped and empowered to carry on the ministry Jesus had begun. And it was in the very city of Jerusalem where Jesus had recently been crucified. You think about that, it's crazy. What a transformation in them, right? And for us with a, a Pentecostal flair or flavor of Christianity, we can identify with the transforming nature of the Holy Spirit, can't we? Amen? How many people have been transformed by the Holy Spirit? You, when you have it, you can't deny it. You just can't. When it comes upon you, you know it. And there's nothing like it. And that's why we pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because it is a transforming event. If it doesn't transform you, it's not the real thing. If it is, does transform you, you absolutely cannot deny it. It secures your faith. Amen? Yeah. The thing is, though, Pentecost Sunday, we, we talk about it, the whole Pentecostal movement talks about it, and we don't kind of make claim to it. But the thing is that uh, Pentecost Sunday is almost 2,000 years old, right? It's about 2,000 years older than Pentecostalism. So observing the day of Pentecost is not just our Pentecostal or apostolic thing, right? In the very same way that, you know, we baptize people in water. We had a baptism here not too long ago. Uh, just because we baptize people, we have this full immersion of water, we don't call ourselves Baptists, do we? Right? Right? In the same way, you know, baptisms are not only for the, for the Baptists, but we are, you know, it, it's actually Pentecost, Pentecost, just like baptism, is a gift God has given to the entire church. It's not just for one denomination. It's not for one flavor, of, one flavor of Christianity. It is for the entire capital C church around the world. Every tribe, every nation, everything. It's for everybody. So why do we celebrate it this Sunday as opposed to next week? Why is it so important today? Well, we can trace it back because Pentecost is one of the major holidays of the Jewish calendar. Okay, and it occurs 50 days after Passover. Okay, the word Pentecost literally means 50th or 50th day. For Jews, Pentecost was a time when they celebrated the first harvest of the agricultural year. It was a time when they gave thanks to God for, for what the land had produced and for what their labor had yielded. It was a, a celebration. That's why there were so many people outside everywhere in Jerusalem at that time when the day of Pentecost happened. For Christians, though, Pentecost marks the birthday, actually, of the Christian church. Right? The day when Peter preached in response to that sermon, 3,000 people were saved. Don't you wish that would happen today? I would love if every sermon that I preached yielded 3,000 converts. That would be the best day of my life. Amen? And that's funny because when you read the sermon that Peter gave, there was nothing special about it, was there? But what was special about it was that it was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Guess what? We can have the same thing. It's available to us as well. So as holidays go, if, if, if Christmas marks the birth of Jesus, Pentecost marks the birth of the church. If Easter marks the day when Jesus was raised from the dead, Pentecost marks the day when the message about Jesus began to make its way to people all over the world. It was the beginning of the, the spreading of his word to all tribes and all nations. What a beautiful thing. What I find interesting is that the church and, and the world do not treat Pentecost like Christmas and Easter do they? No. You know, there's no Pentecost sales at Best Buy. You can't get a cheap TV on Pentecost Sunday. It doesn't happen. You know, there's no Pentecost tree. 
There's no uh, Pentecost uh, pageant, children's pageant. There's no Pentecost chocolate that you can buy at the store either. That'd be kind of weird though, wouldn't it? What would it be the shape of? A tongue on fire or something? That'd just be strange. <laughs> well, it got me thinking though, and I have a few ideas as to why it might not be as celebrated. And it says, first off, if you acknowledge Pentecost, you're also acknowledging that God has to change you. Right? And I think it's fair to say that most people don't want to be changed. Most people don't want to be changed. The disciples went into the upper room one way, and they came out entirely different. Entirely different. How did Peter, Peter go... Peter, bro, I've been watching the Pete's too much. How did... <laughs> How did Peter go from, from, from you know, being totally scared and hiding to being completely fearless? How did he go from, from being you know, completely cowardly to being so courageous? How did that happen? How did Peter go from denying Jesus to defending Jesus to the very same people that crucified him? How did he do that? He was transformed. He was changed by the Holy Spirit. And acknowledging Pentecost means that we're acknowledging that we have to face our biggest fears when the Holy Spirit comes upon us as well, too. We have to be changed. And most people, unfortunately, would rather be comfortable. Do you believe that? I, I see that. I think people would rather be comfortable than be actually transformed. Second, I don't think that people like acknowledging Pentecost because it means that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to take control. A lot of people don't like that. They want to be in control. There's always a control issue that you're dealing with people as well, too. You know, we sing this song. We just sang the song this morning, I Will Make Room For You. And I love that song. That song really ministers to me. Does it minister to you as well, too? I will make room. It's important that we make room for the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? It's a good thing. But you know what? That's just the beginning. You make, room for, you make room for Jesus, you know, you can make room for him all you want, but are you willing for the Holy Spirit to also take residence once you've made room for him? Crickets. <laughs> are you allowing to take residence? Are you willing to be a holy habitation for the Holy Spirit? That's challenging. Pentecost Sunday is challenging. Third, Pentecost is hard because it, it marks the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that we can be equipped to do the work of God, which is a hard realization because we're not, you know, we're not by our own strength, abilities, or natural resources going to save the world or establish God's kingdom in our own strength. We're not going to do that with our own abilities. We're not going to do that by just going out and, and doing what we do with our natural abilities. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. But it does work when we have acknowledged, embraced, and moved under the power and conviction of Pentecost. Under conviction on the, by doing the work that the Holy Spirit has given us the power to do. Amen? I, I, I hear lots of testimonies when people are out there, uh, whether they be in a store, whether they be somewhere, and the Holy Spirit just anoints them to go and talk to somebody. And you know what? That ha when that happens, it is far more effective than just throwing out a bunch of tracks and saying, you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus. You know, you can't just broadcast that out there and expect something to happen. It has to be driven by the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
I don't condemn the people that do that, by the way. By, by all means, go out and evangelize. But you have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order for it to actually take root, in order to reach the hearts of people, not just their minds. Amen? You know, there's a lot in the Bible I wish I, I, I could have seen with my own eyes. How about you? Yeah, when you read this, I was like, ah, I hope I can watch the YouTube video of that in heaven. <laughs> I hope I can watch that and see it with my own eyes. Do you ever think that? But this, this, this upper room experience, I think that's right at the top for me of something that I'd really want to see. I'd love to see how uh, defeated and, and how worried and how scared uh, the disciples were when they first walked into that room. And then seeing the tongues of fire come down, spread upon them, and fall on their heads, and then be completely transformed. Wouldn't you have loved to have seen that? Just blow me away. Just thinking about it, it gives me the chills. You know, while they're all huddled up in a room in Jerusalem behind locked doors and closed windows, they hear the sound of a rushing wind. And what looked like tongues of fire seemed to settle over the head of each person, and they began to speak in other languages. But what they were saying was understood completely in the native language of each person gathered in Jerusalem that day. There are lots of different people out there that heard the gospel message in their own language. Isn't that beautiful? And it was immediately after that miracle that something else equally important took place. The work of the church in the world started. The call for every Christian to evangelize started. Suddenly, we actually became involved in the mission after that Pentecost Sunday. Because when you think about Easter and Christmas, you can understand that there are events that involve Jesus as the primary actor. Right? On Christmas, Jesus was born into the world and laid in the manger, but there were no disciples there at that event, were there? There were no disciples there present at that event. And what do you and I do on Christmas that is, that is central to that story? Nothing. Nothing. We don't do anything. On Easter, Jesus was raised from the dead with all power in his hands. Right? And once again, though, there was no disciples present at that either. Right? There nothing, they weren't involved in bringing that event to pass. And there's nothing for us to do on Easter except celebrate and give thanks for the work of the cross, what Christ has done on our behalf. That's what we do. That's the only involvement that we have in it. But here's another thing with Pentecost. At Pentecost, it's all different. All of that changes. Okay? You and I are called away from our roles as spectators. We are not spectators in this event. Right? Hallelujah. We are called into the role of central characters in God's work of redemption and salvation in Pentecost Sunday. Because of Pentecost, we don't, don't watch what somebody else is doing for God, but instead we are being equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit so we can become actively involved in the work of salvation and redemption. That is what Pentecost is all about. That's what it's all about. It's our call to action. Our call to action is the day Jesus officially transfers to his disciples and transfers to us the responsibility of spreading the message of salvation, which can be very scary to some people. Have you ever watched someone do something and they're doing it and then all of a sudden the responsibility falls on you to do it? There was, there's sometimes where I'm here and, and uh, Gord isn't here and I have to do the live stream and that scares me. <laughs> do you remember the first time you drove your car where you spend your entire life 
watching your parents drive the car you were seeing in the back seat, and then all of a sudden, hey, here's your learner's permit. Take the wheel. Do you remember the fear that you had the second that your hands touched that steering wheel and your feet touched the pedal and you accidentally hit the gas instead of the brake? Right? It could be scary when it's hand, the responsibility is handed to you. you Maybe in your first job, you've been spent you know, weeks doing training, and then you're thrown into the deep end, and then you have to do something on your own. It's scary, isn't it? But that's what Pentecost Sunday is about. He has now given us the responsibility. It's not about Jesus doing his work here, which he's still doing, but he's also given us the power. He's empowered us to do the work of redemption and of salvation, spreading his words, spreading the word about his goodness, spreading the word about what he can do for everybody's life. That's our responsibility now. Hallelujah. When it comes down to it, we need to receive the Holy Spirit, so that we can do the work of discipleship that we are called to. Amen? I know from experience that, you know what, you can't preach effectively unless you have received and depend on the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. It's not a job you can do without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. But let's get even more granular with that, shall we? All right? You can't pray. You can't sing. You can't serve. You know what? You can't even live effectively as a Christian if you are not empowered by the Holy Spirit. Life is hard. There's no ifs, ands, or about it. I mean, we can argue about this, but life is hard. You cannot live effectively as a Christian without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Do you agree with me? Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. Hey, remember when God made Adam in Genesis chapter 2? He made him from the dust of the earth. Remember that? If you don't, you can read it. It's right there in the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. So God had made the body of Adam, right? He made the body, but nothing happened with that body until God breathed his spirit into his nostrils. That's when Adam became a living soul is when his Holy Spirit flowed through him. Remember the uh, dry bones in Ezekiel? Ezekiel 37? You know, even though Ezekiel spoke to the bones and, and they came together to form a body, that body could not and did not move until the Spirit of God blew over those bones. Same is true for us. We can't do anything until his Holy Spirit blows over us. Amen? Same thing is true with the church and every Christian, no matter what our spiritual gifts might be. We all have spiritual gifts, right? They're never going to function to their full capacity until we allow His Holy Spirit to blow over us. Until we allow His Holy Spirit to fill us. Until we allow His Holy Spirit to equip us for God's service. They're not effective unless the Holy Spirit is there. Amen? Holy Spirit, we need you. Amen? You know, I, I really want to celebrate today this, this third great holiday, holiday of our, our faith, which is Pentecost. Do you? I, I really do want to celebrate it. We, we should celebrate it. You know, let's open up our hearts this morning if you agree with me that we should celebrate it. Let's open up our hearts to him this morning. Open up our hearts to receive the Holy Spirit. Pastor John spoke to this last week. You know, you might not always look or, or sound dignified when that happens. 
right? But that's, that's part of the plan. That's part of the plan. Look, most churches, you know, even in worship now, they, worship has become so structured. It really has become so structured. It's become ordered and, and sometimes even intellectualized. It's, it's all in your head. Like it, you're, you have to, it's a, it's a, a way of thinking about worship, you know, that any room for the free movement of the Holy Spirit has been removed. That's not worship, in my opinion. Worship has to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. I'm glad we're in a church where that, there is room for that. Amen? That we make room for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not just spectators. We're not just watching a performance. We are here to worship the God who saves. Amen? I've also heard people say that, you know, uh, any move of the Holy Spirit is just emotional. It's just emotionalism. It's just people acting out of their own emotion. What nonsense is that? Guess what? God gave us emotions. <laughs> I don't see any animals out there or any other living thing, trees, anything. Nothing out there has emotion. So, hey, if it's emotion, it's emotion. I don't care. God bless me with emotion. Let, let, let it come out. But it's not just emotion. Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's transformative. It changes you. And you're going to know if it's real or not because it is transformative. Hallelujah. Just ask Peter. How did Peter go from, you know, Peter was out there preaching. You know, he's out there saying he's preaching, you know, to, to the multitudes that were out there when he received the Holy Spirit. Do you think he was preaching like this? These men are not drunk as you perceive. No. He's like, these people are not drunk. They have, they have received the Holy Spirit. It's going after what, the, 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 uh, the, that what Joel said in the Old Testament, that the Holy Spirit will fall upon all people. He was full of emotion, full of passion. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me today and agree? I'm going to go get the kids down for their presentation as well, too. Sometimes it's hard to give up control, isn't it? Sometimes we, we like to just sit and receive. Uh, but I don't want to just receive. I want to receive something. I want to receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? I don't want to write off the Holy Spirit as something for somebody else or as for another group of people, or for another denomination. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is for all of us, every single one of us. And His power is not limited to a select few. It's not only limited to people that have been in the faith for a long time. Nope. It's available for everybody all the time. It's not limited. It's available to every believer who seeks after it and who is willing to receive it. So as Christians, we are called to embrace and activate this power, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us to the glory of His kingdom. Amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank You this morning, Lord, for Pentecost Sunday. Lord, we thank You that, that You gave us the great comforter, Lord, that You, you anointed the, the disciples to receive Your Holy Spirit, Lord, and now it is available to us. And Lord, uh, we just pray right now, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit will just rest on this place and Lord, for all who are willing to receive, I just pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit on all of them this morning. 
Lord, let it change us. Let it not be something that, is, that, is, uh, that, that we can write off, Lord, but let it be a, a transformative move of your Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, we want to receive you. We want to be transformed. We want to be new creations in you, Lord, this morning. So I just pray right now, Lord, that you will, you will uh, adjust our hearts if necessary, Lord, so that we can, we, can be, we can receive you and that we can move in you to go out into the world, Lord. Let us be your ambassadors of the Holy Spirit, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.